0: I love Tuesday morning Chick Connections. Okay, I didn't see the hands. How many of you have been shopping already at our Vintage Corner? Awesome. Nice. Every item's $3. You can't beat that. And it all goes to purchase food for families in need. I love it. Where else can you shop and make a difference all at the same time? I love it. All right. (laughs) Okay, well, we have been talking about different women in the Bible here at Chick Connection learning lessons on courage, from their lives, there's so many amazing, courageous women in the Bible. And today, we are going to continue and talk about another woman, woman from the Word. We are going to talk about Esther today. You can't talk about courageous women in the Bible without talking about Esther. She is amazing. She is one of the most well-known and admired women in the Bible. And definitely, she was a woman of great, great courage. Courage. And you might think, well, she had great courage, of course, because she was a queen, and queens would have to have great courage. She did not possess great courage because she was queen. She had great courage, which led her to that place of great influence. And so we're going to learn some lessons from her life that all of us can apply to our everyday lives where we live. Does that sound good to anyone? All right. So today what we're going to do is we are going to walk through the story of Esther and in the process... We are going to learn four lessons on courage from her life. So the book of Esther begins with the opening scene of the book of Esther. You find the king having this great banquet. And first he's having this very opulent banquet with all of the nobles and officials and people from all of the 127 provinces which he reigns over. He reigns over an enormous area, this Persian empire. And so he's having this banquet with all of these officials that lasts over 100 days. And then after that, he throws another banquet. And this banquet is for all the people of Susan right there surrounding the palace. And so as he's having this second banquet, which is a seven-day banquet, Queen Vashti, who was queen at that time, she's having a banquet inside the palace for all the women in the palace. And About towards the end of the seven-day banquet, the king wants Queen Vashti to come out so he can just put her on display and show off her beauty to all the men at his banquet. And she doesn't really want to come. She doesn't like that idea. She's busy having her own banquet. So she refuses to come. That didn't go over so well. The king was furious. And he was humiliated and embarrassed and thought, this can't happen. How could she do this to me? So he turns to his advisors and he asks for their advice. What should we do? This is outrageous. And they all agree that this is outrageous. And they say, you can't let her get away with it. If she does this, by the end of the day, all the women in all of your provinces will be rebellious towards their husbands. And it'll just cause such a stir and outrage and we can't have this. So, they decide that the best plan would be to banish Queen Vashti from the king's presence forever and to choose a new queen. So, the king kind of likes that idea, so he agrees, and then the plan that they set in place to find a new queen is rather interesting. They set up officials in each of the 127 provinces to go throughout those provinces and find the most beautiful women in those areas. And then they're going to bring the women back to the palace. They're going to give them a year's worth of beauty treatments. I know that part sounds kind of (laughs) nice. And then, after they've had their year's worth of beauty treatments, then one at a time, each... Of the girls will be taken in to spend the night with the king and then he will choose which one he likes best and she will become Queen so as we said last week things were just a little different (laughs) in that day so about this time there's a man named Mordecai a Jewish man who works in the the gates surrounding the palace And he has a younger cousin who is orphaned. She loses her parents. And so he takes her in. And he brings her in, adopts her as his own daughter, and is raising her. Her name is Esther. And she is one of the beautiful young women who are taken into the palace. So now all these young women are brought into the palace they have their years' worth of beauty treatments and then before they go in to the king they are able to choose whatever they want to take in with them so it could be their fashions it could maybe it's their accessories maybe it's a gift that they want to take into him now about this time I would think that human nature is starting to kick in. And, I mean, face it, only one of them is going to be chosen as queen. So our human nature is a little competitive, right? And this is a whole bunch of women. Can you just hear it? Well, you can't take that. I'm going to take that one in. Well, I'm wearing that dress. My sense of fashion is way better than yours. I can't believe you're going to wear that. He is going to love what I am wearing. He is going to love my accessories. Oh, I'm going to take this gift. Don't you take that. I want to take that. You know, can you just hear what might be going on among them? However, Esther had a very different approach. And look with me in Esther chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, Esther was the daughter of Abihail, who was Mordecai's uncle. Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin, Esther. And when it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch in charge of the harem, and she asked for nothing except what he suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. The first lesson I want us to learn from Esther is that she had the courage to be humble. It takes courage To humble ourselves sometimes, doesn't it? To lay aside our I-know-better attitudes and to listen to the advice of someone who knows more than we do. He knew what the king liked. He'd been around the king for a long, long time. So she listened to his advice. And then in verse 17, it says, And the king loved Esther more than any of the other young women. He was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. You know, anyone can act like a know-it-all. Anyone can refuse advice and just do it their own way. That's the easy way. That's following our human nature, isn't it? Anybody just wanted to do things your own way? We've all been there. You're very quiet this morning, but I know you've all been there. (laughs) We've all wanted to do things our own way. But it takes courage to humble ourselves, to put aside our way, and accept the advice from those who are more knowledgeable. It pays off to be humble. Have you ever felt like your way just isn't working out so well? Maybe you're in a situation right now, and you're thinking, this is just not working out so well. Maybe it's time to lay aside your way, the way you've been doing it, humble yourself, and find someone who knows a little bit more and learn from them. You know. That's one thing I love about Chick Connection. We have so many different women here who have walked through so many different things. We have women from all different backgrounds, women of all different ages. And maybe you're struggling with something right now. Maybe you are struggling as a wife. You're dealing with some situations with your husband, and you just need some advice from somebody who's been there. Maybe you're struggling as a parent and you're thinking, I don't know what to do with this child anymore. I guarantee you, there are women in this room who have been there. Maybe you're walking through just a really difficult situation. There are women in this room. I'm sure, who have been there, who have walked through it. Ladies, we need each other. We need to learn from each other. We need to lay aside our own way. We need to lay aside pride and lay aside the facades of trying to look like we've got all the answers. We've got it all together. We need to just humble ourselves and ask others for their advice. How did you do it? How did you get through that season? How do you deal with this? How do you deal with that? When we humble ourselves, it invites God to come in and work in that situation in our lives. Amen? So here we have Esther. Now she is the queen. And time has passed and a man named Haman was promoted as the second in command next to the king. And Everyone would bow to Haman as he would walk past, except for Mordecai. Mordecai was a Jew. That means his cousin Esther was a Jew. And Mordecai refused to bow to Haman as he would walk past. He followed God. He wasn't going to bow to a man But Haman was furious about this. It just enraged him every time he would walk by Mordecai, and Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. And so he decided that he needed to seek revenge on Mordecai, not just to kill Mordecai, but he thought, I'm going to kill all the Jews. And so he approaches the king, and he's a bit deceptive, in what he tells the king, and he offers a bribe to the king, and he gets the king to agree to issue a decree throughout all of those provinces that all of the Jews would be put to death. And so they cast lots to see when that would happen, and a date was selected that was almost a year away, and on that date, all the Jews would be slaughtered. And so word spread, and everyone was notified of what was going to happen. And all the Jews were absolutely devastated. And they went into mourning, including Mordecai. And he put on sackcloth and ashes to demonstrate his mourning. And he would walk through the city just weeping and wailing at a loud voice. And others who were working in the palace came and found Esther and told her what was happening, told her what Mordecai was doing. That's all she knew, that he was dressed in sackcloth and ashes. And so she said, well, why is he doing that? Here, here, send these clothes, send these clothes to him so that he'll get out of that and he'll just put his clothes back on and start acting the way he's supposed to behave. So she sends a clothes out to him and he refuses the clothes. Now, very often, when we try to help someone and they refuse our help, what do we do? We kind of put up our wall and our attitude. Well, fine then. I tried to help, but forget you. If you don't want my help, then it's on you. You go do your thing, right? (laughs) However, Esther, then after he refused the clothes... She sent her attendant to Mordecai to find out what was troubling him. And the second thing I want us to learn from Esther is that she had the courage to seek understanding. Look at Esther 4 and verse 5. Then Esther sent for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed as her attendant. And she ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him, why he was in mourning. You see, at first, she just tried to throw a Band-Aid at the problem by giving him some clothes. She wanted to change the behavior, change what was happening on the outside. But when he refused the clothes, she could have easily just said, I'm going to stay in my bubble of the palace. If you want to be out there acting like a fool, that's your business. I tried to help you. I'm just going to stay here in my little bubble. But that's not what she did. And it takes courage to rise up and ask the why. To seek to understand, to dig a little bit deeper, to find out what is going on underneath, behind someone's behavior. Maybe you've had people in your life. Maybe you have someone in your life right now who is behaving a little oddly. Do you ever have anyone in your world behaving a little oddly? This side of the room for sure does. I guess this side never does. (laughs) Maybe someone behaving a little poorly, a little not quite to your liking. (laughs) Maybe you've had people in your world behaving in a way that's pretty hurtful have you sought to understand why or have you put up a wall towards them and brushed them off and just blamed them for having poor behavior sometimes we can do that how about with your husband Have you ever thought he was having poor behavior? (laughs) Has his behavior ever been not quite to your liking? (laughs) Gotten your feathers a little ruffled? (laughs) Have you put up your walls and just brushed him off? Or have you sought to understand? Maybe he's going through something at work. Maybe he's really stressed out and doesn't want to burden you with it. And it's coming out. He's a little grouchy, a little grumpy. You know what? It would benefit us if we would just stop and seek to understand. What about with your kids? Maybe there's some times that they're just acting crazy and you don't know what is going on. Have you sought to understand Maybe other people in your world that are just doing some crazy things. Have you put up your walls and pushed them away or have you sought to understand? I know in my life there was a situation years and years ago, a woman that I worked with and she just started lashing out at me and just treating me horribly and it was even to the point of I was fearful for my safety. And I didn't know what was going on and tried to figure out what was going on. And, and she wouldn't respond to me. So I just wanted to put up my walls and say, well, then forget you. I tried, but you're just being crazy. Forget this. But then I started talking to God about it. And I felt like he just softened my heart and told me that there is so much going on in her life, a lot of things that are stirred up in her heart from her upbringing and insecurities that she's dealing with. And I felt like he really gave me some wisdom on how to approach her and how to talk to her and how to ask questions that helped bring understanding. And you know, seeking to understand, it opens the door to invite God to come in and work. When we push them away, when we put up our walls, God can't come in and work. We end up putting up a wall to God as well. God wants us To seek to understand. And when we do, he can come in and work in that relationship, and in that situation. Let's be women who seek to understand. Amen? Once Esther sought to understand, then Mordecai told her attendant the whole story. And he even gave him a copy of the decree that had been issued to slaughter all the Jews. And he said, here, take this, show this to Esther. And then he told the attendant to tell Esther that she needs to go to the king. She needs to plead with the king to change this. So the attendant comes and brings word of all of this to Esther. And she replies with her first instinct, which is, no way, not on your life. Are you kidding? Do you know what would happen to me if I went before the king? You can't go before the king without being summonsed by him. And if I just went and walked in and if he doesn't raise his scepter to me, I'll be put to death immediately. No way, I can't do it. I can't, I can't. How many of us, that's our first reaction to things? I can't, I can't. We find a million reasons why we can't, why it won't work, right? Right? A few of you are honest. <laughs> that was her first reaction. And so the attendant went back and told Mordecai. And then, Mordecai says this in Esther chapter four, verse 13. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, "Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, that you will escape when all other Jews are killed." If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Wow, that got Esther thinking a little bit. Ladies, have you ever stopped to think about that in your own life, that maybe you have been placed in your neighborhood for such a time as this, in your family for such a time as this, in your workplace for such a time as this. I love how God works. The word that we heard this morning at the conclusion of worship from God Tied right in with this, that he has brought us to this place for this time. Ladies, just like he wanted to use Esther, he wants to use each and every one of us. He's brought us to this place and this time for his purposes. God wants to use you. And I want us to see what happened here with Esther next because this next lesson that we learn from her life is that she had courage to seek God for direction. Mordecai spoke these words to her. Have you ever thought you might be positioned there for such a time as this? It sunk in, and she knew that that was the truth, but she knew that she couldn't just do it on her own, that she had to seek God for his direction. Ladies, God wants to use all of us, but we've got to seek him for his direction in how to do that, how he wants to use us, what he wants to do in us so that he can do things through each and every one of us. So, look at Esther 4, verse 16. Her response, as Mordecai presented her with this thought, she replies and says, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and my maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. Wow, what courage. You see, courage compels us to step beyond our natural ability. Courage compels us to rely on God's supernatural ability. Courage compels us to seek him to show us how to do that. She was willing to take a step of faith, but she knew she had to have God's divine direction and guidance. She needed a miracle. Let's face it. In three days, she'd be looking death in the face as she approached the king. Because no one could approach him without being summonsed by him. And if he raised the scepter, then you would be spared your life. Otherwise, you would be put to death. Maybe you're here and you are in a situation in your life that you are desperate for a miracle. You are in need of God's intervention in a situation in your life. Maybe you are desperate for his guidance and his direction in a situation that you are dealing with. Let's learn from Esther. Let's see how she relied on God in this situation. First of all, she sought God with the same urgency that she needed him to respond to her with. She she knew there was an urgency for God to respond. So she just didn't sit back and say, Okay, God, all right, hurry up and do something. Hurry up, hurry up. No, she pressed into him. She sought him with great urgency. She called for other believers to stand in faith with her. Ladies, we've got to remember that strength and wisdom and blessing are found when we unite with other believers. It's so important. Who are we connected to? Who are those that we're standing with? Who are you standing with right now in the situations that you're facing? Who are coming alongside you? Who are you aligning yourself with? Are they women who are strong in faith, who will stand with you, praying, believing God with you? It's so important that we're connected to others of like faith. And then she asked them all to fast. Fasting is a way of laying aside all distractions, excuse me, so that we can hear more clearly from God. She desperately needed to hear from God. She was desperate to hear his guidance. And then fasting includes prayer. If it's a way of laying things aside so that we can hear more clearly from God, then it's a time in which we're praying, having a two-way conversation with God so that we can talk to him, pour out the needs to him, but then stop and listen for his direction and his guidance, listening to what he says. Ladies Power is released when we align ourselves with others and we pray in agreement with others. In Matthew 18, 19, it says, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. There is power in agreement. And when we're going through things, we need to learn from Esther what she did. She gathered others around to stand in faith and to pray with her. And, you know, they didn't have the written Word as we do in that day. We have the Bible to go to as well. In addition for wisdom and guidance, He will lead and guide us through His Word. We need to run to His Word to seek direction for our lives. But we also need to be united together, standing with each other. God does not want us to be isolated. So often when we're going through something, we don't want others to know and we isolate ourselves. Ladies, that is so foolish. The Bible tells us in Proverbs Proverbs eighteen one, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all sound judgment. It is only our desire that causes us to isolate because we're looking at ourselves, thinking about ourselves. What will people think of us? And so we back away and we start isolating. But it says it rages against all sound judgment. It is contrary to wisdom to isolate. God wants us connected with each other, standing with each other. There is such power in that. I remember... Years ago, some good friends of mine, they were trying to have a baby and she was not conceiving and the doctors actually recommended that they do in vitro. And they knew other people who had done in vitro, and that was a great answer for them. And they just didn't know if that was the answer for them. They just wanted to be sure. It was a really big decision. Before they did that, they just needed direction and guidance from God. And so they gathered a few of their close friends, and they gathered us together, and they said, we've got to make this decision. This is a huge thing in our lives, and we want some of our closest friends to pray and fast with us for a set period of time. And after this set period of time, we want to talk and hear what you feel like God is saying in this situation. And you know, sometimes I think we're afraid to ask people to pray for us or to especially to fast for us like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to impose on someone. How could I ask someone to give up meals for me? That's a huge imposition. I don't want to do that. But that's not the way it is. Do you know, I felt so honored when they asked me to stand with them, praying and fasting with them. Wow, that you would allow me to come and be part of this situation in your life. That's an honor. And so we prayed and we fasted. And at the end of that time period, they asked each of us, what do you feel in your heart God is saying? And each of us felt so strongly like God was saying that they were going to conceive naturally. And For them, it was the confirmation to what's was in what God was speaking to their heart. Ladies, we need to have others pray with us, but then allow what others share with us to be confirmation to what God is speaking to us. We've got to be careful about just being led here and there by what others tell us. We've got to be in the word and listening to God for ourselves and then allow those things to be confirmation to what he's saying. And so they thought, okay, God is going to do this, Little did they know about that time she had just become pregnant. God is amazing. He wants us to seek Him for direction, to seek Him for guidance. We've got urgent situations that come up in our lives. Are we seeking Him with the urgency that we want Him to respond with? Let's be women who have the courage to really seek Him. I think so very often. We use our little Christian phrase, oh, I'm just seeking God. I'm just seeking God to see what he's going to say, but we're not really. Are we seeking God? Let's be women who have the courage to pursue him, to go after him, to seek out answers from him. He wants to give them to us, but he also wants us to ask and to seek for them. So back to Esther. After they've been praying and fasting together on the third day of the fast, just as Esther said she would, she puts on her royal robe and she's ready to approach the king. And she goes before him, not knowing in that moment if she's going to be taken away and put to death or if he's going to raise his scepter to her. And He raises his scepter. Can you imagine the relief she must have felt in that moment? And then he asks her what it is that she wants. Now, I don't know about you ladies, but just put yourself in her shoes for a moment. I mean, if that's me, and like all this is happening in, in my life and all of my people were going to be put to death and he he lets me come into his presence and here i have this window of time with him i am not going to miss it and when he asks what do you want i'm going to say oh my god you can't believe what's happening this haman has issued this horrible plot he's an evil man he wants to kill all of us you have to do something you have to do something you have to do something now that's kind of how i envision it going i don't know how you would respond But, man, Esther, she's amazing. That is not how she responded at all. She did not start spitting out everything that she wanted the king to do for her. She was not an emotional mess. She was quite amazing. And the fourth lesson I want to learn from Esther is that she had the courage to walk out God's instructions. Look with me at Esther 5, verse 3. Then the king asked her, as, this is as she approached him, and he raised his scepter. He asks her, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it is half the kingdom. And Esther replied, if it pleases the king, Let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. What? She has this one little window with him, and that's what she does? Invites him to a banquet? Wow. You know, I think that during that time of prayer and fasting... God gave her some very clear instructions, clear guidance and direction of how to approach the king and how to talk to the king. She had courage. She had courage to hold her tongue and to wait on God's timing to tell him all the details. How many of you know it takes courage to hold our tongues? Yep, it does. She just simply invited the king and Haman to a banquet. So they come to this banquet, and they're having this amazing feast, and they're eating, and the king asks her again, Esther, what is it I can do for you? And she says, well, this is is happening, blah, 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 blah. No, she doesn't. She says, I'd like to invite you back to a banquet tomorrow night. Wow. What self-control? So they leave the banquet and they agree to come back the following night. Now, ladies, what happens between these two banquets in the 24-hour time span is quite amazing. It was critical and everything changed in between these two banquets. First of all, Haman leaves the first banquet and he is just on cloud nine and he goes home to his family and his friends and he's just bragging about how wonderful he is and I got to be at this banquet just me and the king with the queen she prepared a banquet and I got to be there because I'm so special and I'm so important and la 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 all of these wonderful things about himself he was quite arrogant and liked to brag about himself and then he says but The only thing that just really got to me is after I left the banquet and I'm on my way home, I passed by that Mordecai and he refused to bow to me. I'm just getting so sick of this. He just will not bow to me when I walk by and it's just really bugging me. And so his family and friends... They say, well, then you should do something about it. You shouldn't put up with that. You're special. You're wonderful. You shouldn't put up with that kind of treatment. And so they tell him to go and build gallows, you know, two poles with a crossbar that was used to hang criminals on to kill them. And so they said, you should go tonight, have gallows built. And then first thing in the morning, you need to go into the king and tell him what's happening and have him command Mordecai to be put to death, hung on those gallows. You're right, he says, that's exactly what I should do. That's a great plan. So he goes out and has these gallows built that night. Well, at the same time, over in the king's chambers, the king is having trouble sleeping. King has no idea what's going on with Haman. He's having trouble sleeping, and so he asks his attendants to read to him. Isn't that what you do when you're having trouble sleeping? <laughs> and so I'm sure that the king had an expansive library, but he chose for them to read from the book of the history of his reign. And so he wants to hear the stories about things that have happened during the course of his reign. So they start reading and they just so happen to read a story about Mordecai and Mordecai. some time back, had heard about a plot to assassinate the king, and he exposed it. And the men who were going to kill the king were put to death. And the king hears this story, and he says, what was ever done for Mordecai? He saved my life. Whatever was done for him to reward him? And his attendants say, nothing. I don't think anything was ever done. And about this time, it's getting to be the wee hours of the morning, and he hears something outside, and he said, what is that? What's happening outside? And they said, oh, Haman's here. And he said, oh, good, bring him in. I want to talk to him. So Haman's there to get his permission to kill Mordecai. But before he has a chance to pose that question to the king, the king has a question for him. And he says, Haman, what do you think the king should do for someone that he really wants to honor? Someone that he would just delight to honor in. And Haman, thinking to himself, oh, he must be talking about me because who else would he want to honor more than me? And so he says, oh. I've got it. I think that someone should put one of the king's royal robes on this person. And then they should put this person on one of the king's royal horses. And then one of the king's nobles should take him and parade him out through the city, announcing, proclaiming as they go throughout the city, this is what the king does for one he delights to honor. And just proclaim that over and over throughout the city. And the king says, excellent idea. I want you to do that for Mordecai. And now exactly like you've said, don't leave out a thing. Can you imagine Haman's response? Woo! (laughs) Not exactly how he expected his day to go. And so, <laughs> they do exactly that. And I can just visualize, Haman, this is what the king does, <laughs> right? <laughs> He's got to be humiliated. And so, all of this is happening behind the scenes. Esther is in her own quarters, She doesn't know what has transpired the night before with Haman. She doesn't know what has transpired that night with the king. They didn't share quarters. She wasn't there saying, huh, maybe I'll give him extra caffeine so he won't sleep. And then I'm just going to open this book to this page so that he'll read this. She wasn't manipulating anything. She didn't even know what God was orchestrating behind the scenes. And I guess that she probably didn't even know that Haman was out parading Mordecai through the city because remember, she didn't even know that that Mordecai was out weeping and wailing and mourning in the city. They had to come and tell her. She was busy in her quarters. I don't think she even knew. It was all happening behind the scenes. All she did was exactly what God asked her to do, to invite them to two banquets. So now, as she does that, as she's obedient to just simply invite that, invite them to the two banquets, what she did was she created space for God to come in and work. She created a space for God to orchestrate things, to work, to do what he wanted to do. So often we get in the way. We try to orchestrate everything for God. But if we would just have the courage to walk out the instructions he gives us, we'll create space for him to do what he wants to do. See, God's timing, it's always about his purposes. Sometimes we can get so frustrated. God, what's happening? Why are you taking so long? Why isn't this working out? What's going on? I guarantee you, there are things you don't see that he is doing behind the scenes as my husband always says, God's rearranging the furniture behind the scenes. So when you don't see it, when you don't know what's happening, just trust that God is at work. And so they come to the banquet the second night, and mind you, Esther most likely does not know anything that's happened. And now at the second banquet, the king asks her, what can I do for, her, for you? What is your request? And not only did she have the courage to listen to the direction God had given her and know when to speak, she also knew what to speak. Now it was time to speak. But she still didn't just spit it all out. She still had great wisdom in how she spoke. And she simply started, not by accusing Haman of anything, but just simply by asking him to spare her life and the lives of all her people. And that a decree had been issued to slaughter them. And the king was outraged what what who would do such an evil thing and then in response to his question then she was able to say haman has done this evil thing and the king was furious and he stormed out and he went out into the garden and While he's out there, Haman is groveling with the queen, pleading with her to spare his life. And it says that the queen is reclining on the sofa while the king is out in the garden fuming, trying to figure out what to do. Now, that to me says two things. Possibly he was out there for a considerable length of time, but also she wasn't worried. She was at peace. She was at rest. She wasn't in there thinking, oh my gosh, is he going to believe me? Is he going to think I'm lying? Is he going to kill me? Is this going to backfire? What's going to happen? She knew she followed God's direction, and she had peace. Ladies, when we follow exactly what God tells us to, we can rest in his peace. So she's reclining on the sofa, and the king comes back in and sees Haman having thrown himself on the sofa, pleading with her for his life. And the king, again, is outraged. What? And now you are assaulting the queen? And he ordered Haman to be put to death. Wow. Esther didn't have to make anything happen. Ladies, God will always cause righteousness and truth to prevail if we give him room to work. He wants to work in all of our lives, in all of our situations, all of our circumstances. He wants us to seek him for the wisdom and the guidance to do what we need to do. And then we can trust that he will do his part. He is so faithful to always do his part. She did not have to make anything happen. So ladies, I want to ask you this morning, what has God been leading and guiding you to do? Have you sought him for direction in an area of your life? Has he been prompting you to do something? Have you done it yet? Have you ever known in your heart something that you maybe should do or shouldn't do and then didn't exactly follow through with that? Maybe you're having a hard time thinking of a situation so let me just put it this way. Have you ever had all these frustrations inside and when your husband got home from work you wanted to just tell him everything and you knew that probably wasn't the best idea and it probably wasn't the best timing and you knew in your heart that you shouldn't do it but he walked through the door and it all just spewed out? Anybody ever done that? <laughs> probably didn't go so well did it. <laughs> We need to listen to those promptings in our hearts. God wants to lead us and guide us and direct us. But he also wants us to have the courage to walk out the instructions that he gives us. Let's be women who have the courage to walk out his instructions. He knows best. And... To just conclude the story, after that time, Mordecai was promoted and another decree was issued. A decree could not be canceled out, but another decree was issued that on that date, when all the Jews were going to be slaughtered, they were able to fight and defend themselves. And so the Jews rejoiced and then. Other people even converted and became Jews because they were so afraid of what might happen to them. And all of the Jews of all of the Persian Empire were spared. Amazing, miraculous things happened, and it was all because of one woman's courage to be humble, to seek understanding, Think about that one for a moment. If she never sought to understand why Mordecai was mourning, none of this would have ever happened. She had courage to be humble, to seek understanding, to seek God's direction with an urgency, and to walk out his instructions. Esther went from being an orphan girl to a queen who spared the lives of the Jewish people throughout the Persian Empire. As that orphan girl, I don't think she could have ever foreseen the future that God had for her. But she got there one courageous step at a time. And Ladies, God has an amazing future for every one of us. And we get there one courageous step at a time. What's the courageous step God's asking you to take today? Maybe it's biting your tongue. (laughs) Maybe it's seeking him for a little more direction. Whatever it is, let's be willing to listen and obey. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you this morning. Would you just close your eyes right there where you're at? Father, you know each woman here so intimately. You know every detail of her life. And God, I know that you want to use each one in greater ways. God, I know that you have a great plan and purpose for each woman here. And God, I just pray that you would help us to seek you, to humble ourselves, God. God, maybe there's situations where we need to seek understanding. Maybe there's situations where we've put up walls and and we need to soften our heart and seek to understand. God, I pray that you would show us and you would help us to do that. And Father, maybe there's areas that We need your guidance, but we haven't really been pursuing your guidance. God, give us the courage to press into you, to look in your word, to gather other believers around us, to really go after your guidance. And as we do, Father, I pray that you would just speak so clearly to us. And then, God, I pray that you would give each and every one of us the courage to walk out the instructions you give us without any hesitation, without adding to them, without taking away from them. God, give us courage to do exactly what you tell us to do, God. Father, I pray, God, that you would help each one of us to walk into the fullness of the plans and purposes that you created us for god help us to walk one courageous step after another and experience all that you have for us god in jesus name in jesus name